Well, hello. Uh, it's great to bring God's Word to you today. If you weren't already aware, we're bang in the middle of a series across the summer entitled Parables in the Gospel of Mark. And today we're going to look at two very short parables that talk about seeds. And these can be found in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 33. So you may want to turn there. And while you do that, I just want to tell you a quick story. The year is 2009. And there are two ordinary blokes by the name of Mike and Kevin. They're really good buddies. They've got loads in common. And one day they decide to set up a company. And it's a bit of a techie company developing an app for mobile phones through which you can upload videos and photos and that kind of thing. And so one day they decide to launch this app. They have no idea how it's going to go. And within the first week, they are blown away to discover that 100,000 people have downloaded it. And they just think it's maybe this is just the phenomenon of the, the launch and it's going to go, go worse from there. But actually, it continues to grow exponentially, in fact. After the second year, they some 100 million people have downloaded the app. And then by the end of year four, 300 million people have downloaded it. They're just blown away and they enjoy it for a time. And then after five and a half years, they decide to sell the company and they sell it to Facebook. And in case you hadn't guessed it, this is the story of Instagram. And we love stories like this, don't we? Because they speak of spectacular growth. They draw us in. It's much more interesting than the mundane and the ordinary. But when we look at Jesus, although he was someone who did spectacular things, he performed miracles, he tended to downplay these things and speak more about ordinary stuff. You know, people were fixated on his miracles. They drew people. They said, he's healed them. I'm going to draw my, bring my friend along. But Jesus was concerned that because they were so fixated on the miracles, they would miss the, the message that he was trying to bring. And Jesus talked about growth in very ordinary terms. He, he drew metaphors from nature, agriculture and farming, things that aren't particularly spectacular to describe the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what he does in these two parables that we're going to look at now. So why don't you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, starting from verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. This is the word of God. Now, what I want to do today is from this passage, draw out four principles about kingdom growth. What does kingdom growth look like? And as we look through this passage, we see right from the outset, at the beginning of both of the parables, the very raw material that Jesus uses to illustrate what the beginning of kingdom growth looks like. And what, what's that raw material? Well, it's seed. And what Jesus is saying is that kingdom growth 
starts small. It seems obvious, but kingdom growth starts small. I've got some mustard seeds here. I've just put them on my thumb. Maybe the camera will zoom in, maybe not. Um, and basically these are teeny tiny. They're like 0.1 of a millimeter, if that. Very, very small. And when you look at them, you think, oh, there's nothing special there. You think they don't, they don't really do very much. They don't kind of move. They don't bounce around like a bouncy ball. They don't, if I eat them, there's no flavor or taste. They don't give me any sense of being full up. And in fact, if I look at them, I just think, uh, I just want to discard them, just throw them away. They're almost good for nothing. If I saw them at home, I'd either throw them in the bin or I would kind of sweep them under the sofa along with all the other junk that I tend to sweep there. Shh, don't tell Sarah. Um, and so they're kind of good for nothing, really. When you look at them, you think, what, what, what can I do with this? But actually what Jesus says and what God says through scripture is that though we may disregard and throw away such things, scripture shows us that both God uses and delights in such small beginnings. He loves a small beginning. You see, in the Old Testament, um, when uh, God's people had been exiled and they were coming back to Jerusalem, where the, the, the temple had been destroyed and ruined, um, they kind of came back a bit apprehensive and God spoke to them prophetically saying he would build the temple and that the Holy Spirit would come. And then I can imagine them rather reluctantly kind of coming to the ruins and taking up the first brick and beginning the rebuild. And there were two men, Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, who were responsible for building the temple and for building the wall. And, 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 and I can imagine them coming there, not feeling particularly inspired. And yet God sees this ruin and what he sees is he sees way beyond it. He sees in the years to come, there's going to be this uh, magnificent temple. His kingdom is going to be built and, and grown. And, and when he looks at this small beginning, he knows that. And, and so he rejoices and he's glad. And in the midst of the story, we read in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, these amazing words. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. There's something about the beginning of a project that God loves. And he loves the fact that there are just small things in you, things that you might disregard like a poppy seed, things that you think, oh, that's not much good compared to that person, or this isn't, and I don't have much to offer. I don't have many gifts. I've got this testimony, but it's a bit boring. Actually, God loves to use those things, those small beginnings to begin to grow his kingdom. You see in the, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 1, it says this, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, I uh, took a trip to South Africa when I was a teenager. Uh, when I was a teen, I was pretty insecure. I was quite a shy lad. I wasn't particularly confident. And fortunately, I had this discipler who came alongside me and he used to inspire me, give me confidence. And one day I was looking at this leaflet about like a missions trip to South Africa and not thinking much of it. And he grabbed it and he started filling it in. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't... And he's like, why don't you go? I was like, but I can't, why? And he's like, why can't you go? And so I ended up going. And do you know what? When I went there, I was amazed at what I found. And one time we were on a trip, we were going into a township, we were going to do an open air meeting. And this guy who led the mission was there in the truck with me. And he turns to me and he says, do you fancy preaching the gospel today? And, and because I wasn't confident, I kind of didn't know how to say no. And I kind of went, yeah, okay. 
And then internally I was panicking, thinking, oh no, what have I just done? I've only got 20 minutes until we're going to be there and I've got to preach the gospel to people. And so fortunately I'd memorised a few verses in my head. I kind of got a bit of a structure together. And then when we got there, this guy, he was very extrovert. He went round the, sh the shacks and was like, come out, come out, come on, we've got something to show you. And then they did a drama to draw the crowd in. Before you knew it, there were about 80 to 100 people gathered round. And then the moment it came to me, I had to deliver and I thought I was going to squeak this thing out. But actually what I found is when I started speaking, I started preaching and, and people were interested and I could see their gaze. They're looking at me. And, and at the end of it, four people got saved and I was really encouraged. And, I, and it just made me think, wow, just this small beginning of just realizing I've got something in me that God can use. And he's used me ever since in ministry to preach his word. And for you, there, there, there's, there's, there's always something. You've got a gift. You all have something to bring something you can sow. And uh, even the, the young boy, when he, uh, there were thousands of people following Jesus and starving, he came to, he was brave enough to come to Jesus with his five loaves and two fish and, and looked around 5,000 people, but he just said, Jesus, here you are. And we know the rest, don't we? God multiplied it and gave to many people. In fact, Jesus himself came in obscurity, didn't he? He was the illegitimate child of a teenage mother born in the grim surroundings of a humble stable in a feeding trough. There was no fanfare or pomp or ceremony which would normally surround the coming or the birth of a king. And in his life, it would have been pretty mundane. For most of his life, he was a carpenter with his dad, just low profile, just hidden in at the sides of life. And actually, we read in Isaiah 53, uh, talking about prophesying about the coming Messiah, that he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. There was nothing much to this itinerant preacher, even when he started his ministry, nothing that people would have been drawn by. And yet God used him, uh, Jesus, to affect many. And he got a band of disciples, didn't he? He plowed his life into them. This ragtag band of, of, of men and women as well who didn't really have much to offer. You know, they were, they, they, they were you know, poorly educated. They got things wrong. They messed things up. And yet God's church began with this small group of people who then affected and changed the known world at the time. So in God's economy, kingdom growth starts small. Secondly, Kingdom growth is God's. So we read in verses 27 to 28, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. So this, there's this amazing truth that the farmer's only responsibility is to sow the seed, might be to water as well. But effectively, he can just, once he's done that, he can just go about his daily life. He can go, you know, meet his friends. Or if, if we're talking about us now, it might be going to the school gate and just chatting with people, getting on with your daily chores, you know, going out to a party, meeting friends at the pub, whatever. We, our life doesn't have to be totally fixated on, I've got to see all these people saved. I must see them, you know, come through. Actually, God just tells us to go and sow the seed and to be available. And this is the key message of this passage and the main thing to take away. And it's this, that we cannot grow the kingdom. We cannot make people Christians. 
whatever strategies or plans or events we might dream up, however many tears or drops of blood or beads of sweat we might expend, however clever our words or however great our love and compassion and mercy that we show to people, the kingdom of God will not grow or advance without the power of God. The great reformer Martin Luther said this, he said, I did nothing, the word did everything. Now he's not saying literally I did nothing because he preached, he preached loads. But what he's talking about is the effect of his preaching, the growth that comes. He said, it's all about God, the word, God's word, God's power does everything. And do you know what? This is such a liberating truth, isn't it? It's such a liberating truth. It means that our attitude, like the sower's attitude, can be one of relaxed faithfulness and trust. Faithfulness in that we, we still need to sow God's word in whatever way. So it might be speaking the gospel or it might be bringing some kindness to someone or it might be, you know, just, just displaying something of God, setting something up which blesses and helps people. But it's scattering seed. It's, it's bringing out the kingdom. And so we can be faithful and we can also trust that God will bring the increase. Such liberating truth, isn't it? Jesus effectively says, be faithful in sowing the seeds. And in another place, in, uh, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. I love this picture. I don't know if you're aware of uh, an artist by the name of Charles, uh, Charlie Mackesy. Uh, he's a wonderful artist. He's done a load of images, which is in a book called The Boy and His Horse. And they always have a bit of a meaning. And in this picture that you can see now, uh, it says this, it says, be patient with yourself. Shouting at a flower won't make it bloom. I love that. I love that because sometimes we think I've got to do it. I've got to get this person saved. You know, the end is nigh. I need to get them in the kingdom. But actually God says, relax. I'm not in a rush. Leave it to me. Shouting at that plant, that flower is not going to make it grow. Only I can make it grow. So releasing, isn't it? And it, also in the passage, it says the, the, the sower doesn't understand the growth. And sometimes God does things and we don't understand it. You know, he can come to someone in the middle of the night in a dream and the person gets up and they get saved as a result. He works in mysterious ways. I remember when I was at school and you remember I said I was quite shy and insecure, even though that was me, I still wanted to share the gospel. I'd met God as a 14 year old quite powerfully. And so I remember this one guy called John, he was a scrawny fella. And I remember sharing a few words with him. I didn't say much. I think it was like, how was your weekend? And I kind of thought, oh, this, okay, shall I say I went to church? This is my opportunity. And I was like, oh, okay, I will. So I talked about church and I talked about a bit about my faith, not much at all. And maybe across a period of a couple of weeks, I maybe shared it a few, few times with him. And it didn't really seem to take effect. And the years went by and we didn't talk about it again. And then we left school. Some 15 years later, um, when Facebook had been invented by then, um, I, I saw him on Facebook. And he wasn't a scrawny fellow anymore. He was this big, chunky bodybuilder. It was amazing. And then when I looked carefully at his profile picture, I saw on his T-shirt, Jesus loves you. And then when I read further, I discovered that this guy was now a bodybuilder who was using bodybuilding as a way to speak the gospel of Jesus to people. He'd become a Christian. I thought, despite my fumbling, rubbishy words, somehow he'd become a Christian. Maybe God had brought other Christians along his path and made a way for this little tiny seed that I'd put in him to grow and to grow and to grow. 
I was blown away when I saw that. And no matter how small your effort, God, it's God's way. He brings the growth. Third principle is that kingdom growth is gradual. So it says in verse 28, all by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. You see, this parable, the first parable we look at, is pretty boring, isn't it? It's like a textbook, you know. Here's some seed, goes in the ground, it grows. This is how it grows, done. But actually there's something about gradual growth. In fact, we see kingdom growth mapped onto organic physical growth in nature. And Jesus is saying that the way God has ordained plants and animals and humans to grow is the very way that the kingdom of God grows. So it says first the stalk, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. If we got it the wrong way around and we did the ear first and then the stalk, it wouldn't quite work. And then the grain in the ear and it just, it would all be messed up. But there is an order to the way God grows things. And it also tells us that growth doesn't happen overnight. You wouldn't expect to put a, a little cheeky baby infant into a cot at night. Go to your bed, sleep, and then come back the next day, go in and like, it's like, hi mum, hi dad. And you've got an adolescent or even a grown up. You know, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And yet sometimes we think that, you know, that, that, that somehow growth happens like that in the kingdom, but actually it is, more gradual than we think. We sometimes expect immediate results, don't we? We almost think we can like kind of plow the field, plant the seed, reap the harvest, thresh the grain and bake the cake all in one worship service. I mean, it does happen like that occasionally. You do hear stories like that, but that is generally not how things work. And we can get frustrated sometimes, can't we? Because we're thinking this is taking ages. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this project I've started seeing some results? Why isn't that person kind of listening to me seems to be going further away from God? Uh, and we get frustrated. And sometimes we can overestimate kingdom growth in the short term and underestimate its long-term effects. And sometimes we're not as patient as we should be. There's a great guy called Charles Swindle who said, patience is a bitter plant that produces sweet fruit. And if we would just wait and allow God to do his thing, then we will see sweet fruit as a result. Now, although kingdom growth is gradual, it doesn't mean that it's one paced. So with my children, you know, although they don't become an adult straight away, there are moments when there are growth spurts, aren't there? And they have growing pains at night and they're like, mommy, daddy, wake us up. And Sarah goes down with a cow pole and I'm like, don't give them cow pole. They're just addicted to cow pole. Uh, but we give them cow pole anyway. And then we just see they've grown up. And during COVID, it was funny, wasn't it? Because we didn't see each other for a year, year and a half. And then suddenly you go to church and people go, your kids, they've grown. And sure enough, they had. Or perhaps when a child goes from being a child to an adolescent, there's quite a sudden step change in their growth and they, you know, their voice drops and they become a man. Um, and there are moments like that. And it's the same in the kingdom. There are moments when God pours out his spirit and power and revival and he changes an area or affects change in a powerful way. And we're to pray for that. We're to pray, God, let your kingdom come, let it come quickly. Because sometimes God will speed up the process. You know, some plants are quicker at growing than others. So in some places in the world, kingdom might be advancing very quickly and others more slowly, but it's still gradual. It's still a process. There's still an order. When I look at my lawn, you know, I'll mow it. You know, in the spring and summer months, I'll turn around, walk back in, turn back around and I'll go, 
flip, that's grown quick and I'll have to mow it all over again. And weeds come and they grow really quickly, don't they? Does anyone know what the fastest growing plant in the world is? Any guesses? I'll tell you, it's bamboo. Bamboo is the fastest growing plant. It can grow, uh, some species can grow at one meter per day. So that's four centimeters an hour. You can almost watch it grow. And so sometimes, you know, growth can be quick. Sometimes it can be really slow. So there's something called seed dormancy, where seeds can be left dormant for many years. In fact, they found one seed from kind of many, many, many years ago from Herod the Great's palace in Israel, and it had been preserved in a cool, dry area. And in 2005, they made it, it germinated and grew. It's amazing. And actually in nature, um, seed will, will not germinate even when conditions are optimal and they almost their, their germination is staggered. So some plants will grow here, some plants will grow here, some plants will grow here. It's almost like they know when to grow. And it, it's amazing, isn't it? It makes you think seeds are actually amazing. These little seeds that I showed you, they're kind of staggered germination. That's like unbelievable. And it's just like God. God sometimes holds things back. He reigns things in. Or there might be a winter season where things go a bit quiet, but then in the summer or whatever, things will spring up again. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. And the thing about gradual growth is that we only realise the change when we look back at how we were then compared to how we are now. So when I look at myself in my 40s, oh, I almost said 20s there, 40s and compare myself to it when I was in my 20s, I suddenly think, wow, I've changed loads, but I didn't notice it on the journey. And if we look back at church history, we can see that Christians have been responsible for many things. They've scattered kingdom seeds everywhere right from the beginning when the church was established. In fact, you know, if you look at a hospital now or a school, places of education or health and well-being, Many of those were first established by Christians all those years ago, and there's kind of a legacy, orphanages, the whole area of ethics and architecture as well, and the great cathedrals, Christians were involved in that, and that's something of the kingdom being established and growing. We've got ladies here who are older ladies who, who you know, 60, 70 years ago, were in a tiny little church, and they were praying for God to move in power and to see growth. And all these years later, we now see a church which is no longer 100 people, but 16, 1700, because of the faithfulness of a few ladies who just prayed and prayed and prayed. So the kingdom growth is gradual. And finally and lastly, kingdom growth is unstoppable. Most of this message, we've been focused on the first parable, but actually in the second parable, the parable of the mustard seed, we get our final principle that growth is unstoppable. It says in verse 30, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Though the kingdom of God starts small and grows gradually because it's God's kingdom, and he brings the growth. Ultimately, that means that growth is unstoppable. The harvest, as we see, will eventually come. The mustard seed that I showed you at the beginning. I don't know about you, but when I look at, uh, go for a walk with my kids or whatever, and we look at some of the big trees, the big oak trees, I always say to them, see that? That started from a small seed. In fact, I've got this great picture that's gonna come up 
showing me and my eldest Hudson standing outside our, our first day of school. And we, we went to the same school, Bearing School, amazingly. Uh, and uh, I'm a little bit bigger than him because I only started in year five because that's when we moved. He's going into nursery, so that's why he's a bit smaller. But we're not worried about the size of us. Look at behind us. Can you see on the left-hand side, behind me is kind of a small shrub of a tree. And then behind Hudson, can you see this massive tree that's as high as the school itself? It's the same tree, 30 odd years difference. This amazing, huge growth. And this parable is telling us that God, though beginnings are small, God can produce a harvest and he will do so as we go on and on and on. There was once uh, I heard about a guy, he said a friend of his related how after buying a house, he decided to get rid of an old bamboo plant that was in the driveway. He just didn't like it very much. So he, he took an ax to its roots and destroyed as much of it as he possibly could. And then he poured uh, bluestone, which is a plant poison, onto the roots. And then on top of that, he finally filled in the hole with several feet of gravel and he pushed it all down. And then eventually he paved over all of that gravel with cement. Two years later, the cement heaved as the bamboo plant began to slowly break through the pavement. You know, that's what the kingdom of God is like. We can put an ax to it, we can poison it, we can pour cement over it, we can put up blockages and things in its way and try and take it down, but it never has been taken down. It's always grown and it's always grown. And, and the promise of God is that this thing as small as a mustard seed will grow and grow and grow and become a mustard plant. In fact, it will take over and it will grow across the whole world. You see, when we look at Jesus' ministry and we, we see that he, at the end of his ministry, he died on the cross, didn't he? And it was seen as an abject failure. This man, this itinerant preacher who gathered many to himself and seen this movement grow and develop and it seemed to be getting somewhere and people thought, wow, this is the kingdom of God, it's coming. He then died and his, his disciples scattered and fled and it seemed like all was dead and all was finished. But actually, what they didn't realise was that this was the plan. And actually God was, Jesus was defeating the power of sin and death. And then he rose again victorious, breaking through and, and bringing life to those who would believe in him. And so today I want to encourage you about that. Because it's knowing the story, knowing the end of the story, that God's kingdom will come in all its fullness. It's like reading a book and knowing the end, if it's a good book, it's got a good ending. Some people read the end of books before they read the book. I don't understand that. Uh, but if you do and the ending's good, you can read the rest of the book in the knowledge that it's going to work out okay. You can read the hard times and the difficult situations and you can go, it's okay because I know the end. And so we can be positive in what we do, in our sowing of seed. We can have a positive attitude about it because even though it doesn't seem to be taking effect, the growth is always there. It's hidden and it will come. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you're a God who brings growth. Lord, we, we thank you that we serve a mighty God. And Father, I pray right now for each one of us. Sometimes we get a bit down on ourselves. We think I'm not evangelizing much or, or what I'm doing doesn't have much effect or I don't feel like I've got any gifts or anything tangible that I can bring. Actually, we all have something to bring. 
And God, you use each one of us to bring the kingdom. And Lord God, even if we think what we bring isn't excellent or amazing or fantastic, Lord, help us to be brave enough like that little boy with his five loaves and two fish to bring it to you and allow you to bring the growth. Amen.